0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to the TD Green Podcast. I'm Kevin Sylvester, along with Brian Kozio, and we uh, sit and record this a couple days after the U.S. Open, which, Brian, I, I'm so happy the outcome of the U.S. Open on so many levels. Uh, number one, I'm thrilled for Gary Woodland, and we'll get into this, but I just want to name the three things and the reasons why I'm thrilled. Thrilled for Gary Woodland. I'm thrilled Brooks Kepka. Um, continued his hot streak and validation of everything that he's accomplished. And number three, I'm glad the golf course wasn't the story. So all those three things uh, is why I was thrilled the outcome of the U.S. Open.
1: Well said. Yeah, first of all, good job the USGA not becoming a story, as they have quite often in the last few years. Uh, the course set up at Shinnecock, of course, and you know Phil Mickelson's antics and their response and all that, and then of course uh, at Oakmont, Dustin Johnson is on his way to maybe a, an amazing story to win, and we don't know if he's going to get a stroke penalty or not. Like, you know that story. Uh, those are just some of the recent tournaments. So yes, uh, tr- trying to mess up Pebble Beach or try to do something to that would have been just—I feel like maybe the final nail in the coffin for some of these people that are working for the usga but no you're right totally great no complaints at all in terms of the setup well actually and there's the, one complaint the, there's the one complaint brian
0: matthew fitzpatrick complained it wasn't hard enough like dude are you kidding me you complained it yeah. wasn't hard enough come on all right sorry sorry to interrupt but i was no, just it's stunned by that
1: yeah i mean he sh- i don't even think he has much of a leg to stand on to sit here and complain about it so you know I mean, if it's it's not a, a marquee former major winner saying anything, and I think, yeah, you, know, you can't say anything bad about Pebble Beach if you're a player. I mean, it just it no matter even if you're right, it comes it's going to come off bad for you. So you know, so I, I it was smart for everybody to kind of compliment it as it was. Uh, yeah, the Kepka story, I mean, that would have overtaken beyond even just the golf world. I mean, the sports world. If Kepka wins, that would have been a monster story. And to think about what he's done in this three-year span. He beats everybody in the U.S. Open two years ago. He beats everybody in the Open last year. And then this year, he beats everybody but Gary Woodland. And, I mean, he had a significant margin even on the third-place competitors, too, three strokes. Uh, And Gary Woodland, though, just would not flap. Every time you thought, okay, maybe he comes back here, he didn't. Every time he had a mistake, he would make up for it with his outstanding short game. Uh, Where have we talked about this before? With Kepka. Gary Woodland, also known for a guy that can smash it and hit it a mile, but it was his short game that clearly won it. I mean, the the putts, the chip-ins, the up-and-downs, just tremendous. And um, if Kepka wasn't going to win it, uh, if it was, if we were going to have a first-time major winner, uh, this was one of the best, best, best outcomes I think we could have had. So I'm happy that Woodland was able to get his title.
0: Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, nobody – I think we're done – well, uh, well I, if you root for someone to choke so someone else could win, you're just a bad person, right, <laughs> in my opinion, right? I mean, and, and guys don't want to win that way. They want to make birdies to win. Um, any golfer will tell you that. I don't want to win because this guy missed a bunch of stuff. I want to win because I made those things. Now, they'll take the victory, but that's not how it works. You know, it's interesting. I, I followed uh, and I wrote about this on Golf for my weekly column, and, you know, about following Woodland in Kapalua. And, you know, I, I was there when he won in Phoenix in 2018. He beat Ches Revy. Revy was my golfer. Uh, Doug Bell, my colleague, had Gary Woodland in and, and, and the playoff. And it was uh, neat to see him win in the playoff, especially having gone through what he went through in the story of, uh losing the baby and uh his son Jackson being premature and surviving and just, you know it was uh, a tragic yet great story, right? <clears throat> so it was a good story for Gary Woman. And and for that reason he got to go to Kapalua. Playing great there, Brian. I mean a- every day. And I and Kapalua is very hilly and you know, because it's kind of remote, you know, I drove my own golf cart and I I um I would give Gary's parents rides up the hill <laughs> Dan and Linda. And I got the and, and it got to the point where I just told him, I go, you don't have to ask, okay? Just be, if you, if you want to ride, just hop in the cart. Um, if you want to beat me to the cart, that's fine. No problem. Matter of fact, I let them drive the cart once, you know, just yeah, go ahead and take it. I'll walk. Um, really, really nice people. I mean, uh, they're from, you know, uh, the heartland of America, right? I mean, <laughs> they're great people. So I was thrilled for them, thrilled for Gary. But at that tournament, Brian, on the final round, You know, Woodland's playing with all the previous champions. He's got a three-stroke lead. He shoots five under, sixty-seven. Brian, that wins uh, fifty out of sixty weeks in the PGA Tour. They don't play sixty weeks. I'm just uh, thinking of a number. That wins nearly every week except for that one because the group in front of him, Xander Shaufley, blitzed him. Shot sixty-two. I afterwards, it was. I I just looked at. I had to interview him. I'm like, I don't want to interview. I mean, the guy should have won the golf tournament. Right. I mean, uh, an anomaly happened where he lost and I just said to him, my God, I, even before we started, the I don't even know what to say to you. I might even said it on the air, I don't even know what to say to you, Gary. I, I feel terrible. Um, you know, you played great and lost. And he's like, yeah, that, that's golf. And, you know, Xander's a, a good friend. And, you know, he, um, you know, I'll be mad at him for a second. But other than that, we'll move on. So I, I was happy to see him come through. And when I think going through situations like that helped him win. And particularly what he did on 14, when his caddy, you know, Brennan said, Let, let's go, for, let's be aggressive here. Like you've got to, you've got you know, know when to, when to go for it. And that was the spot, the only spot, frankly, they had left on the golf course to solidify the victory. And he pulled off one of the more memorable shots in the U.S. Open history.
1: Yeah, it was tremendous. I mean, to make that decision to go for it, and the fact that, I mean, he was mere feet from maybe having it go sour. It could have gone into the bank or had a bad lie in the bunker. Instead, it skips on and it goes back, and he makes birdie and gave him the cushion that he really needed to play with down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, for all the, an, another sign too, to know that this was, you know, a good story. The amount of players that were waiting to greet him afterwards. Not only did Kepka stay there, even though he was a group ahead and congratulate him afterwards, but you saw others that stayed there. Reeve stayed, Kucher stayed. Uh, Justin or uh, Jordan Spieth I believe I saw him afterwards I don't don't know if Justin Thomas was still there too and Thomas didn't even make the cut he was there too Thomas yeah Thomas was in the locker room I think yes yeah Thomas didn't even make the cut and he ends up you know playing so I mean that that's really nice things to be able to see that these other players hanging around and everything that we've heard other players congratulating him he's Definitely well liked. That was a good story. Of course, the the video that has gone viral that everyone saw with him, his interaction uh with the young girl at the sixteenth hole at the waste management open, how he's handled that. He's on the Today Show with her, showing her the trophy and how he said, like, yeah. you know, his conversations with her and how that helped him even at times he thought about her during the round. I mean, the perspective that he has, how he gets it, how he understands he's in a position that can be powerful as a professional athlete and a role model. I mean He's just—he's handled this so well with such grace, and I'm really happy that he was able to get that done and get his first major. I mean, it's—it's it's huge for a player like Gary Woodland. I mean, he—he he could have a, a fine PGA Tour career and never win a major, and probably no one would ever think anything twice about it. But when you win a major, like it, it really, really validates your career, and it really puts it—you're you, putting yourself kind of in a different class. And um, you know, for all intents and purposes, he's got the game to do it. And how he acts on on and off the course, now it seems like he's definitely deserving of having that title go next to him of major champion.
0: Well, yeah, it, you know, it, it's um, that, that video, by the way, from the Phoenix Open uh, with Amy was really great. And my friend shot it, actually, and he showed it to me before he posted it, before it, it got out there. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. That's just what an awesome, yeah. awesome deal. Powerful. Definitely. And, and, yeah, powerful. And, um, you know, players do that stuff, by the way, at every tournament. There was one, uh and this is not to minimize this by any means, because the, there's a real connection between those two, which is great. Um I remember seeing one at the Vals bar. Paul Casey played with a, a kid who's colorblind, and they had special glasses Um that, that allows people to see color now. And he, he at the end of playing this hole, he goes, here, I got something for you. Try those on. He's like, oh, these are great. Oh, my God. He goes, well, those are yours. And the kid's like in tears. The mom's in tears. And they give the kid glasses that they otherwise couldn't afford to uh, see color. Just, you know, some amazing things that the game of golf does. And then when it translates into somebody's legacy, um, that's incredible. Yeah, he he's able to – I mean, here's the other thing, Brian. People are like, where did Gary Woodland come from? He's ranked 25th in the world. He's won three times on the PGA Tour. This is not just uh, – uh, this isn't like when Steve Jones won, right? He's a qualifier coming out of completely nowhere, uh, to do so. Um, you know, this is an, a, a really good player, uh, who's won before on the PGA tour, uh, who's been there and to do it on that stage at an iconic golf course, uh, puts a, a, a bigger stamp on him. And, you know, there's going to be more. Uh, he's going to win again. There's no question whether he wins another major. You know, that's to be determined because uh, the field's so deep and so many guys are capable of
1: doing it. Yeah, and look at the look who he ended up beating out. He played with Justin Rose, who, I mean, is that about a bulldog of a guy that you could go against that handles pressure situations well? Um, and side note on Rose, his scrambling was just insane throughout. And finally, just the law of averages caught up with him, I think, a little on Sunday with the fact that he just, at some point, just you knew, okay, he can't just continue to just make putt after putt and up and down after up and down. Uh, but you're playing with Rose, and then you've got the hottest, you know, the biggest baddest in the world of golf right now, Brooks Kepka chasing you down and making an early run. And he was able to withstand that even in the middle of the round when Woodland struggled. He figured out a way to come back. He played aggressive. Even the decision on the 17th hole, when maybe he didn't have to do it, he decides to play. That chip from the collar and go over the huge hump on the green. I mean he could have putted, knowing, you know what, if I three putt, I still can go to eighteen with a lead. Instead he tried to hit a shot that maybe had a little bit more risk reward and he I mean, it almost went in. So I mean the the fact well, that he outdrowns. Yeah, no, you're you're right about
0: that, but you're, he had yeah. that shot earlier in the week. I think he had it on he had the same shot Thursday or Friday. So Yes, he said he had one, that's um, right, yeah. Right, which, uh, um, you know, goes to show you nobody else knew that because nobody was following Gary Woodland, in, the, in the era, you know, like on Thursday. Uh, you know, the galleries were all following Kepka and other people, which, you know, actually happens often on the PGA Tour. Um, so that was kind of cool that, you know, we're all watching like, oh, my God, he's got to chip this shot. Um, how's he going to do this and blah, blah, blah. And it, <laughs> he had it earlier in the week. By the way, that green. 17 green, Brian, uh, the, the one year that I worked the Pebble Beach Pro-Am behind the green uh, was all grandstands. It wasn't as exposed like it is like it was for the U.S. Open. So I thought that was a cool little twist that they did for the U.S. Open. And players would walk behind the grandstands to go to the tee box. The tee box uh, was up against grandstands. So I thought that was kind of neat how uh, the USGA set that up for the U.S. Open differently and how it's set up for the at Pebble Beach Pro-Am.
1: Yeah, that green, I mean, jeez, how many different pin locations could you have? But putting it right over the bunker, and then obviously the huge hump in the middle of it, kind of that peanut-shaped look to it, just tremendous moment there for him to be able to pull that off. I mean, we think about Jack Nicklaus is what? He hit his one iron on that 17th hole, hit the that's pin. Right. Like, that's an iconic moment. And Woodland had a few of those. As you mentioned, the 14th hole, he goes for it, the par 5, the, the chip on 17. And then, you know, even on 18, he didn't need to make it. But on the highlight reel years from now, we'll remember that cool putt going down for him to finish it off with a birdie, finish it in style.
0: Yeah, I want to learn how to hit, um, you know, 3-iron like he does off a tee, that little stinger, you know, the drive Absolutely. Iron. That's pretty, pretty sweet that he's able to – that's like a go-to shot for him. Uh, to be able to hit
1: that off the tee and hit it 260 yards, that's that's <laughs> 270. That's great. And Brooks Kepka said the same thing, too. That the, he said his three irons his favorite club in his bag, and that he trusts it just as much as any of them. I mean, I mean, obviously, you know, for you and I, if we were able to hit it at that length, you know, we, we would maybe think about hitting it more often, too. But uh, the fact that they have just such accuracy with it, I think you know, if we think about sometimes when I'm playing as an amateur versus being a professional, like sometimes the decision of what to hit off the tee, I feel like if I had the confidence to hit a, uh, you know, a three iron or a four iron or a driving iron, like some of these guys hit to that, I probably would do it more often. Uh, But I feel like just, you know, depending upon where you are at in terms of your, your playing skill though, necessarily sometimes guys don't hit a three wood or a three iron with that greater of a percentage that maybe we, should think about doing it more often, but I I know at least for me personally, sometimes, you know, I I don't know if my percentages go up tremendously from when I take driver away to hit three wood or from three wood to hit three iron or something like that. So, you know, seeing how they were able to strategize themselves around, I think uh, was impressive.
0: Well, let's not forget those, those three irons, uh, two irons, those driving irons, if you will, um, they're different than the three irons we carry in our bags. Um, actually, I actually love my, my three iron that I hit. You've seen it in action. Uh, it'll yep. kill. I love that three iron, but I only hit it 200 yards. I don't hit it 260 yards, but uh, <laughs> the point, the, the point is those guys, it's got a little, uh, you know, a little thicker sole. Uh, it's got a graphite shaft. It's a driving iron. All right. So they're made a little differently um than the ones you'd get in a set and some don't even put three irons in the sets anymore. So they're they're a little different uh than the than the norm uh than what we're used to, but it's still is impressive how they're able to hit the golf balls. All right. So Brian, uh, you know, moving forward here, we've got one more major next month, the Open Championship, and then you've got the PGA Tour playoffs. Um the Open Championship, I I still I don't see how Brooks Kepka is not a favorite. In Royal Port Rush, right? I mean, he's got to be the favorite going in. He's two he's he's two, one, and two in majors this year.
1: Yeah, it's been a super impressive year for him to compound his previous two years of being impressive. I know McElroy will be the headliner because it's going to Northern Ireland, but still Kepka has to be the favorite. And the fact that this course is one that maybe a lot of the European tour players maybe don't have as much experience on as maybe some of the other ones in the normal rotation that would probably favor the American golfers anyway, even more. So I I think you're right. I think it has to be Kepka. I think maybe then McElroy would be the next guy to talk about. Uh, You know, we always think about DJ and, you know, Tiger himself probably I'm sure at least will be in the, uh, the odds makers in the top five favorites, but I don't necessarily know. He seems to just not be able to, over four rounds as of late, figure out a way to just be consistent off the tee, and it got him in trouble again. And then he'd have his good runs of seven or eight holes where he would look like, wow, Tiger is playing his A game, but then he just couldn't put it together for a full round. And now it looks like he's not going to play again until the British. Uh, All indications were afterwards that Tiger's not going to play again. So we won't see him. I thought maybe... We know there's a couple of new tournaments this year on the calendar, Kev, that are coming up here, and uh, that you know he might sprinkle and get in on one of those, but it doesn't look like it. it all indications afterwards with his press conference. It sounded like he's just going to play at home, as he said, practice and get ready, and then we'll see him in the British next month.
0: Yeah, I, I think so. The tournament's leading up to it. I mean, you've got the, the Travelers this week. You've got the uh, uh, Quicken Loans and then the 3M Championship. And then the John Deere, and then you've got the the Open. So, um, and some players played the Scottish Open prior to the Open Championship, but uh, I, I, it makes sense. Tiger's, you know, back is not uh, where it was at the beginning of the year. He's even admitted that. But you know, the, the cooler temperatures at Pebble Beach, um, I think, affected some of that. He had the tape on there, and hey, he's got to he's got to maintain. Um, his new back, if you will. So, listen, it's 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 remarkable that Tiger won the Masters and is a factor. It's just remarkable, period. <laughs> and, and, uh, and and hopefully he's able to maintain being a factor, um, not only for the rest of this year but for years to come. It, it's just incredible what he's he's done. But I saw Kepka – I Kapka, Kapka's a guy. Rory will be a factor because of how he drives the golf ball, um, but it, it's going to be the long ball guys. Justin Rose uh, could be a factor if he straightens some things out for the Open Championship. I think it's going to be great. And if anybody's questioned this new schedule in the PGA Tour, I think what we've seen in the majors um, should put all any questions to rest. It's been fantastic.
1: I agree. The build up with the one per month, it's been perfect, even for. You know, Tiger, obviously a unique situation, but most of these guys now, they're not going to, most of the, of the, of the big names don't want to just go from one major to the next. They always want to have at least a tune-up tournament or something along those lines. So with the majors being a month apart, you're getting to see Kepka, DJ, Rory, Spieth, you know, Justin Thomas, these guys play once or twice in between. So you're really not noticing these. You know, the fact that there's these gaps of, well, you know, there's a lot of tournaments here without big names playing. Not really. It's set up. The spacing now is perfect. And, uh, yeah, I, I just I think it's great. I'm looking forward to seeing kind of how the playoffs play out in August for the first time and probably with more eyeballs on the the final events and the Tour Championship because they won't have to go against the NFL like they normally do in September.
0: Yeah, that's right. It's going to be great. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the TD Green Podcast. Be sure to listen to our show Saturday mornings on WGR 550 in Buffalo. That's at 7 a.m. Uh, every Saturday during our golf season. And be sure to go to tdgreen.golf. Sign up for our TD Green Club. You can win some great prizes. Those will be special offers and great things that we do throughout the year. Again, go to tdgreen.golf. For Brian Koziel, I'm Kevin Sylvester. Thanks for listening to TD Green Podcast.